the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Up next, here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. You've got to understand the depth of your need before you will fully appreciate the greatness and the glory of Christ's love for sinners. So we have inherited from our great-granddaddy Adam death, a sinful nature, and God's condemnation. Now, the question is, how does a believer's relationship with Jesus Christ as his representative affect him today? How does Christ save us from the sin and all of the consequences that we have inherited from Adam? Hi there, and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We're continuing with our series called The Reality of Sin. We find ourselves here in the book of Romans today as we focus in on the reality of its origin. Understanding the dark side of it helps us understand the answer that God provides. Not only understand it, but embrace it, cherish it, and live in it. Won't you join us? Here with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. When a representative acts... It affects everyone whom he represents. And that is the way it is with Adam. God set up the human race in such a way that Adam represents everything that is descendant of him, which is every one of us. And whatever he did affects every single one of us. Then God sent Jesus as a representative because Adam failed. And now whatever Jesus did affects everyone he came to represent. All of those who believe in him as their Lord and Savior. Now, that is very important to remember. That these two representatives pass on to those whom they represent the effects of their life's work. Each one of these two representatives, the two most important people in the history of the world, with whom our whole future is bound up, passes on to those each represents the effects and consequences of his life work, his behavior, and his choices. What Adam chose, what Adam did, affects all of us. What Jesus chose, what Jesus Christ did, affects everyone whom he came to represent. Now let's look at the text. And the first question we want to ask is this. How does our biological and representative relationship with Adam affect us today? I mean, after all, that was at least 6,000 years ago. So how in the world did something that happened in the beginning of the human race affect you and me in modern 2015 America? Our biological, covenantal, representative relationship with Adam, how Does that affect us today? Well, our text tells us it affects us in three ways. And remember, at the point of repetition, 
that since Adam was the representative of the entire human race outside of Christ, whatever Adam did, every one of us feels the effects of. Now remember that. Now there are three ways that, our, that your relationship with Adam affected you before you were a Christian. And if you are not a Christian here today, these three ways affect you right now. First of all, Adam sinned when he ate of the forbidden fruit after God told him not to. And that was a deliberate act of disobedience. He chose to follow his own whims and desires rather than to submit to the will of God. And that is where sin entered into the world. When this passage speaks of that one transgression, that one sin that affects us all, it is talking about when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit. And the most terrible thing about it is that it was a direct, self-conscious, deliberate rebelling and disobedience against Almighty God, choosing to follow their own preferences rather than the command of God. Now, how does that choice on Adam's part affect us today if we are not Christians today? Adam's sin brought death and the reign of death to all of his descendants. You die because you are kin to Adam. If you could have gotten out of being a descendant of Adam somehow, you might not have to die. But of course, not one of us can pull that off. Because everyone is a direct descendant of Adam and will die. And they will remain under the reign of death until their lives are subdued to the rule of Christ. Because of their relationship with Adam. Look at some verses with me. And please listen carefully to this. Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, of course Adam, sin entered into the world and death through sin... And death spread to all men because all sinned in Adam. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, sin reigned from Adam to Moses. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one man Adam, the many whom he represented died. Verse 17. For if by the transgression of one, death reigned through the one. Verse 21. That as sin reigned in death. So you see in these several verses what we inherit in Adam. From your parents, you inherit certain physical traits. You know, the color of your eyes, certain physical features. So in Adam, you inherit death. Adam's sin introduced death into the world. Now listen. There's nothing normal and natural about death. But it is believed to be so today. Because the lie of modernity is that death is something you should just get accustomed to. It's just a natural part of life. Beloved, there is nothing natural about it at all. There would have been no such thing as death if Adam had not sinned. It is an enemy. It is a hideous thing. It is the wages of sin. Death with all of its horrors, with all of its grief, with all of its heartache, is what we inherit from our great, 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 great granddaddy Adam. 
He passes it down to us so that we are born dead. You were born dead. You are dead. It is a terrible thing when a little baby experiences crib death. Or when a mother gives birth to a child after it dies in her womb. But if you are here today and you are not a Christian, your relationship to Adam means you were born dead. Oh, you look alive. You don't smell dead. But your whole inner life is dead and separated from God. And that is the one thing we inherit from Adam as his descendants. And unless God's grace intervenes, we are conceived dead, we are born dead, and we are dead throughout our life, and we are dead throughout all eternity. We may exist, and our body moves, but that which is called life is a total stranger to us. Because outside of Christ, my friends, there is no true life. Adam cannot give you life. Everything that comes from Adam's loins is dead. So this is the first way that Adam's relationship with you affects you. And that is, if, you were not, if it were not for the grace of God, you would be spiritually dead. Walking around dead and then eternally dead after your physical death. There's a second thing we get from Adam, and that is Adam's sin constitutes all of his descendants as sinners. When did we become sinners? Well, we've already established that we were sinners when we were conceived. But we became sinners long before that. We became sinners in Adam when we were still in his loins. Adam's sin constituted everyone who came from him by ordinary generation, everyone he represented as a sinner. Do you think that's too strong? Look at verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Why are you and I sinners today? Why is it that we do things that hurt ourselves, that hurt other people, that make a sin against God, break relationships, step on people's feelings, act out of pride or lust? Why do we do these terrible, ugly things when in our most honest moments we will recognize them as terrible and ugly? Because we have inherited from our great-great-great-great-granddaddy Adam a desire to play God and rebel against him, and disobey him. And as surely as you and I have inherited physical traits from our parents, all the way back through generations, we have inherited from our parents, all the way back to Adam, a desire to run our own lives, to do whatever we want to do, no matter what God tells us to do. A desire to sin and disobey God in rebellion, against him and unless God's grace intervenes in your life your whole life is dominated by that desire to rebel against God your entire life so that as we have seen in our in, on other occasions and as we will see next week the Bible says that even the plowing of the wicked is sin a person who is not yet a Christian can't do anything else but 
sin. Everything he does is sin. Even the good things he does. And Lord willing, we'll talk more about that next Sunday. But what I want you to see today is you are a sinner because of your relationship to Adam. Notice an astounding statement up in verse 12. Now remember, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. And in the Greek language, they had tenses for verbs that we do not have. So they could actually say all kinds of things with that one tense simply by putting an ending on a verb that takes us a whole sentence or a paragraph to explain. And that's the case up in verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as through one man, that is Adam, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Now that word sin was written in an aorist tense. And it has reference to one specific point in time, in the past, when everyone sinned. The Bible says, for we have all sinned. There was a time, one time, somewhere back in the history of the human race, when we all sinned. Now, when was that time when the whole human race sinned? It was in Adam. Notice in verse 12 again. For just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and death spread to all men, because all men sinned in Adam. That was when sin and death came into the world, when our representative sinned and disobeyed God. And because we are so closely, covenantally, biologically connected with our great granddaddy of all, we sinned in Adam. Just as surely as it was Adam's hand that plucked that fruit from the tree and ate of it, it was our hands in Adam that ate that fruit. You see, now Gary, I don't like that kind of talk. I don't like that kind of relationship with God. I don't want to live in a universe where I have to have a representative before God. Well... Unfortunately, there is no other universe, and there is no other relationship with God outside of Christ. So we are sinners because we are related to Adam. Now, there's a third thing that we all get today apart from God's grace because of our biological covenantal connection with Adam. And that is, Adam's sin brought divine condemnation and divine judgment upon all of his descendants. Let's look at some verses. Look at verse 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. Now verse 18. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men. That is about as clear as you can get. Through one transgression, through Adam's one sin, the condemnation of God came upon the entire human race. All people. Remember what Jesus said in John 3. He said, He who does not believe is condemned already because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We have this tremendous truth that all of us must understand, and that is we are condemned not only because of our own sins, 
but because of our connection to Adam. So there are three things true about us if we are not saved by God's grace. We are born dead, we are born sinful, and we are born condemned. That's the Bible's assessment of everyone who was represented by Adam and not by Jesus. So if you are here today and your life has not been transformed by God's grace, you are born dead, you are born sinful, and you are born under God's condemnation. And if you live and die under that condemnation, you will perish throughout all eternity. But there's a positive side to this parallel, and that is the heart of what I want to get to. But you know, in order to appreciate the positive side, we must first understand the negative side. You've got to understand the depth of your need before you will fully appreciate the greatness and the glory of Christ's love for sinners. So we have inherited from our great-granddaddy Adam death, a sinful nature, and God's condemnation. Now, the question is, how does a believer's relationship with Jesus Christ as his representative affect him today? How does Christ save us from the sin and all of the consequences that we have inherited from Adam? The Lord Jesus Christ came to undo everything Adam did. As one person said, when man, in the image of God, failed, God, in the image of man, came to his rescue. You know, the glory of the gospel is that God could have allowed us to remain in our dead, sinful, condemned condition and still have been a loving, kind, gracious God, and we would be in hell. But our great God has, on the other hand, decided in mercy and in grace and in love and sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves and didn't deserve to have done for us, and that is to save us from all those things we inherited from Adam. Now notice in our text, the great point here about Christ is that because of our closeness now with Him and our union with Him, His obedience is our salvation. The way we are saved from sin and all of its consequences and saved from death is by the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ and not our own. If we had tried to obey God sufficiently to overcome all the consequences of Adam's sin, we would have never been able to do it. Because how much obeying can a dead man do? Now, I already established that we inherited death from our great-granddaddy. And how in the world could a dead man have obeyed God sufficiently in order to make himself come alive. The Bible says we have a sinful nature. And how much true obeying can a sinful nature perform? And how much sincere obeying can a man under condemnation do? You see, if we were saved by our own obedience, all of us would be lost. But the Lord Jesus Christ came to obey God perfectly and fully and totally. And by obeying God for us, we are saved. Because our salvation is based on Christ's obedience. 
Look at a couple of places in our text, verses 18 and 19. So then as through one man's transgression... There resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification to the life of all men. For as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even through obedience of the one man, (coughs) Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. So the reason we are saved is not because we obeyed God enough to get Him to look upon us with favor, But the reason God looks on us, any of us, with favor, and the reason any of us are Christians, is because Christ obeyed God sufficiently to get God to look upon us, wretched sinners who believe in Him, with favor. You see, when you look at your relation with God on this basis, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, you can take credit for except your own sin. If we have salvation, if Christ has stopped the effects of sin in our lives, it is because He obeyed God sufficiently to earn God's favor for us who could never earn it in a billion years and who do not deserve it. And notice specifically the three things that the Lord Jesus Christ's obedience won for all of those whom He represents. First of all, He secured the abundance of God's grace for us instead of condemnation. Remember from Adam, we received condemnation. But now because of Christ, we get the abundance of God's favor. Turn again in the fifth chapter of Romans, the 15th verse. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. Verse 17, for if by the transaction of one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Through the abundance of grace, now, those who receive Christ as their Lord and Savior know they have Him as their representative, and that condemnation that once fell upon them because of their sin has been transferred to the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross in their place. And now, having been set free from that condemnation, they stand under God's grace, the abundance of God's grace and God's favor and God's acceptance. So that Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation of any kind whatsoever for those who are in Christ. If you're in Adam, you're condemned. If you're in Christ by faith, you deserve to be condemned. But the Lord Jesus Christ took that condemnation in your place. And now we are under full and abundant and acceptance, abundant acceptance and favor and grace of Almighty God. Notice the second specific thing we we receive as a result of Christ's obedience. He secured righteousness for us instead of the unrighteousness and sin that we inherited from Adam. Look at verse 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from transgressions, resulting in justification. And justification means to declare someone righteous, to declare them forgiven, acquitted. Verse 17. 
For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Verse 18. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. To justify is to declare righteous, to declare acquitted. And that is Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. As we close out our time today, I'd leave you with our address, phone number, and our website. We'd love to hear from you. It always means a great deal to us when we hear somebody who has been listening to the program and being encouraged by it. Makes a big deal for us. 408-866-5607 is that phone number. Again, call us, 408-866-5607. Or visit our website and leave us an email, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. We also have past messages available, uh, an extensive library of audio that you can tap into at any time for free, right there at our website, again, reformedheritage.org. Other resource materials are available from that website as well. If you'd rather write to us, the address is Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That is here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Normally, we'd invite you to join us for worship, but since we have been suspended because of the COVID-19 crisis, we invite you to visit our website instead and pick out a couple of recent messages that Pastor Gary has delivered here at Reformed Heritage Church. Again, reformedheritage.org. We'll also give you updates at that website as to when we return to normal worship. And you're always welcome to call us as well for that kind of information, 408-866-5607. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. <music> 